Okay, welcome back to another episode of Spooky Movie Squad, the horror movie podcast that reviews the best and worst and everything in between in horror, one movie at a time. I am your host, Otis, and tonight, like always, I am joined by my beautiful wife, Katie. Hi. So sit back and relax and enjoy our review of the 2015 American horror comedy film based on R.L. Stein's awesome, awesome stories, Goosebumps. The stories are alive. That's cool. It's not wrong. Could have did the viewer beware, reinforce scare. Is that from Goosebumps? Yeah, it used to be reader reader beware, reinforce scare. Oh. They did it for the show. I don't remember them doing that, and I've watched many episodes of the show on Netflix. It's at the beginning, yeah. No, it's not. Oh, y'all hear that? On Netflix, it's not. I'll show you in like three seconds. Okay. Hit that music. Happy Spookies, everyone. This is episode 283. We're 17 away from 300, Katie. I'm so excited. I don't know what month that's going to be. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It's going to end up in October. Hell yeah. <laughs> that makes me happy. We can just I do it like that. 17, what, this is May, right? So June, July, August, September. Be close. Four more months is 16. It's going to be close. Yeah, it'll be like the beginning of October. Oh, right on. Cool. Like the very first, probably the very first episode of October. Yeah. I think. So, like I said, episode 283, and it's volume four, the final volume in the month of R.L. Stein. So we are finishing up with all the movies involved with R.L. Stein. There's a ton of made-for-TV films, but we're not going to do those because they really weren't that good. Uh, I know Night of the Living Dummy, they did that. I think the first and second book, they did it as movies, and they were all right. I watched it. That dummy had red hair in that one. This one's got black hair. So, for the uninitiated, we reviewed the trilogy for Fear Street, and that was his adult version of Goosebumps, but now we're going back to the nitty-gritty. These are the the beginnings. So, I'm going to ask you a couple extra questions, Katie, for this episode, but how do you feel how do you feel about Goosebumps books as a whole? Um, I really liked Goosebumps as a kid. I remember reading a bunch of them, though I don't remember what the stories are about anymore except for like two of them that were my favorite. Um, which would be Night of the Living Dummy because yeah. Slappy and uh, Say Cheese and Die. That was my <laughs> I had that book. number four. That was absolutely my favorite Goosebumps book. It was number four in the entire sequence of Goosebumps books. You could tell it's my favorite because I still have the number memorized. Um, yeah, it was just about a haunted camera that when it took pictures of people, it would predict their death and then they would die. And it was fucking great. I love Goosebumps stories. I think they are wonderful for kids who are a little bit on the creepy side or like like creepy things because they're not quite really scary. It's not quite like Freddy Krueger and stuff like that. It's just like creepy. It's creepy. And 
kids, a lot of kids are really into that, like me, and gravitated towards that. And still, they're still hyped up in kids. Like, one of the kids I watch right now loves Goosebumps books. He's in second grade, and he's just like, give me all, like, let me read them yeah. as many as I can. Um, and he has, like, he loves Goosebumps so much that when he was four... I want to say four. He dressed up like Slappy for Halloween. That's so cool. So, it was very cute. It was adorable. And yeah, he <laughs> loves it. I absolutely love these books when I was younger. I think my favorite one, The Haunted Mask 2. That one was a really good one. It was Carly. No, Carly Beth was in the first one. And then the second mask was an old goblin mask. And it made the kid old. And so he was trying to find a way to save himself. But these books, they, like like Katie said, they weren't like, I wasn't pissing myself scared. Like, when I read it as a kid, that was fucking scary. Because you it know? wasn't meant for children. Yeah. <laughs> but Goosebumps was like, that was pretty damn creepy. It's like watching an episode of, of like, Twilight Zone. There are some scary-ass episodes of Twilight Zone. But, yeah, it's the same way. It's just for kids. But I absolutely adored the series and stuff. And kind of makes me want to read them again. I think it's what? The books are probably, what, 200 pages? Something like that. So I could crack that out in a day if I really wanted to. You could read a Goosebumps book in a, a sitting, not even a day. It would take a couple of hours. Yeah. Because while it is 200 pages, the font is large and oh, the right. spacing is big and it's meant for little kids or young elementary school, medium elementary school kids. Like you could, you could read them very quick. Yeah. So for the uninitiated Goosebumps, this is a story about the fictional life and times of one R.L. Stein and his family dealing with his books being released into the world. So in this universe, his books are real. And when he writes about them, it makes them actually real. And they want to get out. Well, we'll see. One one really wants to get out, and the other ones are just kind of following that one. Essentially, his typewriter is like the pencil that created Doodlebob. <laughs> <laughs> just chasing people down doodle bob's scary as doodle fuck. bob is scary it's just the eyes <laughs> yeah because they're not the same size yeah. manoy he says like yeah boy manoy oh, boy manoy yeah <laughs> so i learned because of the popularity of the fucking tv series back in 90s 98 7 8 90s. something like that one Tim Burton was attached to the film back in the late nineties and it just didn't work out. Which Tim Burton that would have been a creepy looking version. But I'm curious. Tim Burton would have made it over fictionalized. Like I yeah. Goosebumps is meant to is scary because it's taking place in the regular world. Yeah. Like we are in normal suburban America, and all of a sudden, a giant praying mantis is murdering folks. Like, that's why it's scary, because it's normal things. It's yeah. not scary because the world necessarily is scary. It's scary because the world is regular, and scary shit is happening in the yeah. world. So, <laughs> I don't think a Tim Burton version would be good, because he would make it like his wild, fantastical world. It would look like... His Batman movies. Yeah. It would look like Charlie and the Chocolate or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It would look like those movies, like 
everything would just be overly twisty and curvy and like it would already look gothic and freaky and it's not meant to be that yeah it's the normal. world's not meant to be weird it's the situation that the normal world is in that's yeah. weird also one george romero so the creator of one of my favorite movies of all time night of the living dead he was also gonna write a script for Goosebumps, and he actually wrote it on the first original Goosebumps book, Welcome to Dead House. So he's gonna just make that book into a movie. But then... It would be good. Yeah, it, it's zombies on it, so it had been just great. In 2008, Columbia Pictures acquired the rights to create a film, and the writers realized that it's it'd be a little too hard and a little too specific to just make one story. Like, oh, we can pick The Haunted Mask, and do it but if people aren't scared of weird scary masks then they'll just be like eh. or if they just don't enjoy that type of scary then it won't be that good and they went with how about we just do a universe where we could just use all of them yeah and do a grab bag i think the only true goosebumps story that would lend itself to like a like a feature length film just about that specific monster or story is slappy and i love the way that they did that they bring him into this into this movie and the way that it works but the slappy books uh which are what is what are his books night of living dead night Night of living Living dummy Dummy, uh parts one two three and four and then he has a whole separate set of books that are like they're goosebumps adjacent. They're yeah. still related to goosebumps, but it's like a slappy. And they're like slappy's, the living it's dummy. called Slappy's World. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And he has like an additional set of books then. So if they they could take that and make a whole series of movies about the slappy events, easy. easy. But nothing else in the goosebumps world is as repetitive. Like R.L. Stein did do like a lot of part twos, like to the story. Like yeah. um my favorite one. The camera one. There is a second part to it that came later down the line. I remember the second one. The second one was good, but that's it. Like, all of those stories only have two. So there's not a lot of extra things to pull from. And usually in the second story, it's like, oh, well, the camera, like, floated down the river and then it ended up in some other world. It's very, like, Jumanji-like. It's not the same. It's not happening to the same people or whatever. You're not getting recurring hauntings of whatever. But you could easily do that with the slappy stories if you just made it like, oh, shit, the doll that we thought was dead is back to haunt our family again. (laughs) Or, you know, it's haunting our kids now. Or, you know, whatever. You could build it up and it would be fine. But there's not enough repetitiveness within the Goosebumps line of stories to really make a whole movie out of any one character except Slappy. And I think it's better that he didn't try to connect it into one. I mean, I guess technically this all could be in one world. Some of the books, they were aliens coming down to Earth. So I guess it could still be the same world. It was one of the camp ones. They were actually aliens coming down to Earth to go to camp. It was a good one. I can't remember the name of it. But mm, Camp Nowhere? Maybe. Camp that Blood something or something. Else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Something I, I, it's one of them. I was like, hey, that's a twist. They're aliens. That's cool. That's cool. So, like I said, R.L. Stein and his daughter and her to-be boyfriend, next-door neighbor, they're dealing with the stories jumping off the pages led by Slappy, the 
talking living dummy and they have to try to capture all of the stories just like it's pokemon y'all and so it, it's I, I really like this movie but katie what do you think about goosebumps the movie i love this movie um i've watched it an infinite amount of times because the kid that i watched that loves goosebumps yeah. was obsessed but i love this film it is equal parts like hilarious slash kind of scary creepy for kids it's a perfect family film if you have uh elementary age kids even maybe uh teens like young teens it's perfect like the age of kids that would be into goosebumps will love this movie it's not super duper scary like it's going to keep them up at night and it's just fantastic the like pseudo romance that happens between the two main characters is never so teen-ish that it's like, nah, I don't want my kids to watch that. Like, they're not, it's no nothing past, like, I think a kiss on a cheek is, like, the yeah. most that ever happens. Yeah. It's very chill, perfect for a family, and it star just stars Jack Black, so you know my love for Jack Black if you've been here for any amount of time. I love that man. He can do no wrong, and he knocked it out of the park as grumpy-ass R.L. Stein in this movie. Yeah, it's... Yeah, Katie beat me to it, all the words. This is a fun, fun movie. And it's probably one of the better explanations or examples of if you have tons tons of media, to give all that media a fair shot at being seen, this is probably the best way to do it. Like, think about Endgame, like Marvel's Endgame, and how every, at the end of... Uh, when everyone was revived and the portals opened up, you know, on your left, and everybody pops up, and they have to show everybody just for a little bit and, you know, remind you that they're there, that was a really fun moment. It's kind of like this, but Goosebumps, there's so many books. I can't remember how many altogether. At least 200, right? Mm, I don't know. It's I'm obs- looking at a uh, list right now. Yeah. Give me a second. The original series had 62 books. Okay. And then there was a spin-off series called Tales to Give You Goosebumps. Yeah. That had six books. Then there was Give Yourself Goosebumps, <laughs> which had 42 books. Okay, we're up to like and, 110. And then an extra eight special edition books. Then there was Goosebumps Presents, and there were 19 of those. Okay. 18 of those, because one of them was unpublished. And, yeah, then there was a bunch of, like, random things. Okay, so probably getting kind of close to 200 stories. Goosebumps Series 2000 yeah, and had this... 25 stories. Okay, so, yeah, it's probably... That's a lot. Yeah, probably close to, honestly, probably over 200 at this point. Oh, yeah, Slappy's World has 19 books. They're still releasing. One came out two weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> so... Like I said, it, it's really fun to see just about every book. I mean, sure, there are some that you have to look into the background. Uh, Haunted Mask is just somewhere in the background. Someone saw it and was like, hey, it's probably not Carly Beth in that mask, but somebody's in that. Actually, it would be Carly Beth, but just book version of her. But no, I absolutely love this movie, and Jack Black's in it, and he can do no wrong, honestly. The music I learned was done by Danny Elfman. And it was really fun. I, I like this one. So 
I would give this a thumbs up if, like I said, you got kids, or you just like Jack Black, or you just like Goosebumps. I would give this a shot. So, we'll get through this story, and then we'll talk about our favorite and least favorite characters. I'm curious what your favorites is going to be, because mm-hmm. I know my favorite. So, we open with Zach Cooper and his mother, Gail. They're moving from New York City to Madison, Delaware. You know, one of those beautiful... Tiny little towns, you know, nice little music. Nothing bad happens here. (laughs) Following the father's death. So they're settling into the neighborhood. And we see that Zach, he meets his neighbor, Hannah, with his sweet-ass New York hat, bedazzled by his aunt. And then we see the shadowy figure from the window. And it's like, oh, who's that creepy person? And then Zach meets the very protective father, Telling him to stay away. And he's like, I, I was just saying hi, I'm your neighbor. He's like, I don't care. Stay away. Stay over there. This is my house. This is my gate. Stay on that side. <laughs> so the next morning at the high school, Zach's mom is the new vice principal. And Zach, for sure, and this is the best way to do it, just be like, hey, let's not uh, walk in together because I'm already at a detriment. So let's just act like we're not family <laughs> but he's not assholey about it and i'm happy about that i didn't need like a bad kid trying to deal with his mom they, they love each other so at the pep rally zach he becomes friends with champ a very friendly student but he's obviously the like comic relief in this the kid comic relief because later on we get a lot of jack black and he is legit the comic relief in this movie so that night, and honestly, the day before, also, Zach hears a lot of arguing from their the neighbor's house, Hannah's home, and he's uh, seems a bit nervous about the dad because he thinks the dad is a maniac and maybe hurting Hannah for a little bit. So they still are becoming more and more friends, and Hannah invites Zach to an abandoned amusement park that is just in the town but like kind of in the forest it looked awesome but boy howdy that would absolutely get torn down it's like what they say that just like they forgot about it and just Mm -hmm. left the power on which is stupid because somebody would know that the power is just running but eh. and they're getting to know each other at this abandoned amusement park which would absolutely be my clubhouse until something scary happened there (laughs) and then once again hannah's father Tells him to stay away or bad things will happen. And he's like legit threatening the kid. He's like, I'm not playing. Bad things are going to happen if you you come over here again. So Gail, she is the mom, Gail, is supervising a school dance. And Zach is staying home with his aunt Lorraine. And after he hears some yelling and some arguing from the other home, Zach runs to the house. So, Zach actually tricks her father into going to the police station, and him and Champ actually enter the home, and they find a bookshelf with all of these locked books on it, and they find out that every book on the shelf is from the Goosebumps franchise, and in this world, apparently, R.L. Stein just disappeared one day, wrote a ton of books, became most popular person in all of kiddom and then just disappeared (laughs) so apparently he moved to this town so 
because Champ is just a little too curious, and Zack is no really not that much better, he Zack unlocks the abominable snowman of Pasadena. And the snowman comes from the book and he scoots off. With Hannah's help, they actually track the abominable snowman to the local ice rink. It makes sense, because it's probably hot. <laughs> the, snow, the abominable snowman wants to go somewhere cold. And they are actually about to get murdered. And then, hooray, R.L. Stein, Hannah's dad, he actually pops up and traps the abominable snowman into back into the book. So they learn that it actually is R.L. Stein. The whole time he was like, nope, that is not my name. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm actually R.L. Stein. And so just like there's another story where they use a book and they suck, suck something back into it. But it, it works the same way. You hold the book out and the bad thing falls back in. So, as they head back into the home, unfortunately, we see that Slappy the Dummy from the Night of the Living Dummy series also got out. And Slappy isn't one to run away or anything. He's just chilling. And R.L. Stein, you see his face. He's very, very scared of Slappy. And we learn that when he created these stories, it was to cope with the severe bullying that he was dealing with because he was the weird kid that wrote scary stories. And apparently, they kind of say it because of his imagination and the typewriter. There's probably a two-way street on it. They made the stories real. And so, he had to keep them imprisoned because he didn't want the monsters to get out. But apparently, he has dealt with Slappy multiple times. And just like Katie said, he wrote a ton of stories about Slappy. So I assume every time he wrote one, he had to deal with keeping Slappy in control. And I love the fun fact that Slappy's voice in this movie is Jack Black doing a very evil and very good, very scary voice. And I'm very pumped, but Jack Black's very much that guy. He, he goes all in when, when he does something. So we see that Slappy is kind of wanting R.L. Stein to like... Hey, we should go do some bad stuff again. You know, like the back in the day, he's like, nah, you know, I got a daughter and stuff. I'm just chilling, Slap. Like, how about we just stay inside tonight? And Slappy's like, yeah, that's cool, I guess, maybe. Hey, you weren't going to trap me in that book again, were you? He's like, nope, nope, I was not thinking about that. He's like, nah, I can't trust you anymore, Stein. I don't like you. And the second the lights dim or there's, what, lightning goes off? Slappy is stupid fast. He is like, I don't know how fast he's moving. He disappears and reappears in different spots. So we see that Slappy steals all the books. And he's like, you know, how about I just uh, go outside for a little bit? And how about I let everybody out? And he's like, no, Slappy, don't do it. And Slappy burns his book, which is the only way to trap that, you know, subsequent person in their story. Slappy's like, I'm not going back. <laughs> he opens the story for the haunted car and hops in the car with all the books. And he actually starts opening books before he even drives off and burns those books. So we see monsters from so many stories pop up. And then Slappy's laughing as he drives off. I guess he's driving or Maybe the car's driving on its own. <laughs> so we see the gnomes from Revenge of the Lawn Gnomes. And I remember reading that story. Those gnomes were hardcore in that book. They were hardcore in this movie when they had the, like, the bear trap set up in yeah. the basement. 
They legit were trying to that kill people. That shit was wild. <laughs> so we see Lorraine, the aunt. She gets attacked by Fifi, the vampire poodle, from Please Don't Feed the Vampire. And so this part of the movie, it's a pretty big chunk, but we just see the group. They are just running from different monsters. We see the Invisible Boy, a shocker on... Sh- Wait, yeah. Shocker on Shocker Street? Shocker on Shock Street. Shock Street. Just a giant mantis, a silver praying mantis. Oh, there were so many more monsters that pop up. Uh, They run into that store and they fight a werewolf for a while. And so, like I said, this part just kind of puts a smile on my face. I'm like, hey, I remember that one. I remember that one too. (laughs) So, we see that Lorraine pops up and she's going to go to the police station to get help. Because this town's falling the fuck apart. And then her and Jack Black, or excuse me, R.L. Stein see each other. And just like any comedy, when two people meet and it's just destiny. And they're like, oh, hi. Who's your friend? It's like, oh, my name's R.L. Stein. He's like, well, I'm Lorraine. They're like, well, hello. <laughs> they're like, Kay, can we please move on? Like, I don't want to die out here. They're like, okay, I will talk to you later. <laughs> so... Stein takes the kids through a cemetery, because that's what you do when you have children. Um, and Zack sees Hannah becomes real ethereal and ghost-like in the moonlight before they get attacked by zombies. And he doesn't tell Hannah what he saw, but he's like, what the fuck is that? She glows. She legit, her whole body glows, but he keeps it to himself for now. So, at the school, R.L. Stein, he confesses to Zack that Hannah is actually from one of the books, The Ghost Next Door. And it was a kid named Hannah Fairchild in it. And so he actually created her to cope with him being a lonely, lonely man. Which is crazy. You would think he would easily find, like, a wife just off the whole just being, like, a an accomplished author. But maybe he thought that going off the fact that every time he creates a story that, you know, the monsters come out of it and he has to catch them. Maybe he thought, like, maybe I shouldn't have a wife or children because they might get kidnapped or killed, I guess. Maybe. Hell, I don't know. Or maybe he didn't meet the right person. (laughs) So, Hannah seems to be unaware of this. And so, Stein says, like, hey, let's just, we'll talk about this later. So, the game plan, because all of the books get destroyed by this point, and Slappy has himself a team meeting outside of the school. With all the monsters. And he tells them, hey guys, we're good. I burnt the books, but we need to take care of Stein. The, the guy that trapped everybody in these books and stuff, we take care of him. We can never be grabbed. And all the monsters are like, yeah, you're right. I like that idea. He's like, well, let's go get him. And then you see zombies, monsters, werewolves, just everything is attacking the school. So we see Zack, Hannah, and Champ. They head into the school while the dance is going down. And just like any scary movie when you have to tell just normal people, hey, get the fuck out of here. There's monsters coming. No one believes them. And all it takes one person making jokes by the window. He's like, hey, uh, there, there's a werewolf outside. And he's like, hey, there's a giant praying mantis outside. And he gets snatched up. And they're like, oh, shit, that kid fucking died. He's gone. And then... The whole school starts teaming up to block off doors, fight off monsters, and do stuff like that. So while that is happening, we see that Stein is going to make a, I don't know, an omnibus 
a giant book that just combines every story. He's going to put every bad guy into just one book and have them get sucked up. And so he is typing this and it can't be like, Katie wrote a book and all the bad guys went into it. The end. It has to be in a legit story. So it's going to take him a little bit to get typing. So they leave him on what the the auditorium stage with a typewriter to work on the story. So, like I said, the monsters break in and Champ, he saves the girl of his dreams from a werewolf because his what his braces are silver. Mm-hmm. And he bites the werewolf and the werewolf runs off in pain and she he gets a kiss. He's like, "All right. Just had to save you from death." <laughs> Unfortunately, Slappy finds RL Stein. He breaks his fingers with the typewriter case. And boy, howdy, he had to have slammed that hard as fuck. Though, if you close a case on your fingers, you can fuck them up. But he legit, like, drop-kicked that closed on his fingers. Also, remember that that typewriter is hella old. Yeah. So that case wouldn't have been, like, oh, this nice microphone fabric, like, it's made out of cardboard covered in some fabric case. Like, that shit was made out of probably fucking steel. (laughs) And was heavy as shit. From World War Two. Yeah. <laughs> so, Slappy kind of leaves him be. Well, the kids come in and he scoots off. Which, I don't understand because Slappy seems like he's well-to-do and he can actually fight people off. But he keeps scooting off. Like, he doesn't want to, like, fight too many people at once. But that's his whole thing in all of the stories is, like, he is a demon of chaos and he just, like, runs around and dicks with individual people. Yeah. He makes their life hell and then runs away and does it again to somebody else. So in his stories, in all of his stories, that's what he does. In all of the shows, everything that's based off Slappy, that's what he does. He's just this puppet who isn't trying to take on eight people at once. He's just like, oh, you're off in your room alone? Let me dig with you for a minute and yeah. then run away. Yeah, because if the dummy was laughing and messing with you, if I walk up and I can grab one of his arms and legs, you grab the other arm and leg, and then we're just going to go to Stomp City on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you remember, uh, quick aside, I think in the first book, when the kids, or no, they made another dummy, and that dummy helped them, they crack open his head, and like it was like a giant worm came out. In Night of the Living Dummy? Yeah. And then that worm like crawled off somewhere. So I think they were trying to explain that like that evil worm was the thing that was making it move. I don't remember. I was looking up stuff about Slappy. I was trying to figure out how many total books he had. And it turns out Slappy has eight books that are just about him. Mm-hmm. And then a whole series called Slappy's World, which are like Goosebumps stories, but told from Slappy's perspective. He's like the narrator. That's oh, like Tales from the you. Crypt. Yes. Yeah. So he's the Crypt Keeper, basically, for the Slappy's World series, oh, cool. which is like 20 books, I think. But yeah, if he, I re- even, he did a, a Bride of the Living Dummy. I remember that. It was like a, like a Chucky getting married thing. Slappy in Dreamland, Revenge of the Living Dummy, Slappy's Nightmare, Slappy Beware, and then the Night of the Living Dummies, one, two, and three. Yeah, if I remember correctly, they cracked his head open because they took him out in the end. And I think his head, like a giant worm came out. And then the worm like crawled off somewhere. They, they couldn't get it. I don't know. I'll read the plot. Give me a minute. I'll figure it out. So, R.L. Stein and the kids, they actually trick all the monsters into following a school bus. They think like, hey, I can smell Stein. He's on that bus. Let's get him. And they swarm the bus. 
But they rigged it with explosives and they blow it to fucking kingdom come. And they hop on another bus and they head toward that abandoned amusement park. So, Slappy, not being with the group that's going to kill Stein, he's just in the back. Like Katie said, he's just the general of chaos. And he's like, oh, damn. Damn. He got him. Fuck. So, he tracks them down and he actually releases the blob from the blob that ate everyone. I don't remember that book. But that blob was fucking destructive in this movie, I'll tell you that. And all the other monsters, they like reform. You can't kill them. You, all you can do is catch them. So Stein, he like is trying to fight off the blob and he gets devoured. And so the trio, they hop onto the Ferris wheel that was in this abandoned amusement park. And Zack finishes the story. I'm glad that that still works because I've been like, you know, if the magic was like, but you're not R.L. Stein. <laughs> but it just needed to be finished by somebody. Yeah. And so he finishes the story just before the mantis comes in and destroys it. And and the Ferris wheel rolls off into the and forest. The blob. Yeah, and the blob. Like, it's, it's getting wild. And so he finishes the story. And he's he doesn't really want to open the manuscript because Hannah will get sucked in, too. But then they learn that she knew the truth all along. She knew that she was from the book. I'm like, oh. But she was there for her dad because he was lonely. So they kiss. Hooray. And they open the book. And all the monsters get sucked into it. And then she disappears with them. So uh, a little bit of time goes by. I guess it had to been a month maybe because the school was destroyed and a school bus exploded and I don't know how you even explain that to the world, but... Well, it might have fixed it all itself in the book. Ooh, I like that. I assumed that in the story, when everything got sucked back in, everything returned to normal. Yeah. Like, that would have been a very R.L. Stein-like end of the story. Yeah. Like, and everything went back to normal. Yeah. I don't want to explain why the cops and the FBI would be in this town after this. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's normal. <laughs> or the memories change back. So, R.L. Stein, he's working at the school as a substitute teacher because I think this main teacher was caught up in that. The English teacher got fucked up. Yeah, so they they didn't die, at least. <laughs> While starting a relationship with Lorraine, so the, the aunt, which is weird because if they ever get married, then he's part of the family. But then Zach likes, you know, it's like little giants, like the parents were trying to get together. Anyway... After class, Earl Stein tells Zack that he brought Hannah back into reality. He wrote a new copy of her story. And hooray, they can make out. And I don't know how it's going to work when she gets older. Because he'll get older and she doesn't. Hell, I don't know. I guess he can write another story about well, her. Well, if he wrote the story that she's a normal teenage girl, then she would age normally. Okay. I assume because she was from a book that she wouldn't age. Because when we read the book, she's still... A normal teenage. Well, yeah, but if teenager. you wrote the book and wrote, okay, this person was born in 1993, like, uh, okay, then it's currently 2023. Cool, she's 30. Like, okay, that person is 30. Okay, that's reasonable. I just think because she's from a book, she ain't real. You know, I mean, she ain't normal. So. Maybe I'm sure that because it's all magic, I'm sure there's a way he could figure it out though. Yeah. Well, anyway. R.L. Stein, he burns the book right after when he sees him kissing, so she's normal enough, I guess. She don't, she can't get sucked back into a book. Yep. So, <laughs> as he is leaving, he sees that his typewriter is typing a story by itself. 
And it turns out that the Invisible Boy, he didn't get snatched up in the the book grabbing everybody else. I guess his little naked ass was somewhere else <laughs> holding onto a tree screaming. And then he types out the Invisible Boy, the Invisible Boy's Revenge. And then R.L. Stein screams. The end. So You forgot the best moment, which happens right before Zack is introduced to Hannah at the end. Which is we learn oh, yeah. we learn that Jack Black R.L. Stein is now the English teacher at this school, and he passes another teacher who he calls Mr. Black, who is the drama teacher, played by R.L. Stein. So Jack Black plays R.L. Stein is the English teacher, and R.L. Stein plays Mr. Black, the drama teacher. Was the pretty acting nice. teacher. Fantastic. And he was a grump. And they were like, what's wrong with that guy? He's like, ah, don't worry about him. Yeah. <laughs> He's so grumpy when he hit the corner. So, Katie, who was your favorite character in Goosebumps? Uh, my favorite character was Zach, uh, played by Dylan Minnette. He was the most positive character yeah. in the story, even though at the beginning he's really, like, grumpy and disgruntled that he had to move from New York City to be in this, like, tiny little bitty town. But he was the only one who stood up for Hannah, who was, like, screaming, and none of the fucking adults around him believed them, which is totally not something that the cops would do if there yeah. if there is a question of domestic violence or possible child abuse the police are required to go check it out they wouldn't just roll up to the house be told by the father oh that was nothing and then walk away like no they would have searched the whole goddamn house like it would have been a whole thing it wasn't just like oh i like scary movies up really loud like no 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 that's well, that's not okay. The cops in that town they were the co- they were anyway, garbage. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Zach was the best, and he fit himself into being the hero type. Yeah, like I don't. If you asked me at the beginning if he was going to be like a hero, I would say no because he wasn't necessarily that. He was just like a kid. But as the story goes on, like he definitely makes his way into being the hero of the story and like growing into essentially the hero. This is great. I went with Slappy. If you know me, I say this all the time. If the villain is doing their job, I'm laughing, I'm smiling, and I'm having a great time. I know they're going to lose because that's a movie sometimes. But a good heel, man. They make you laugh. Slappy was a fucking mess in this movie. When he wasn't just freeing his friends from prison and letting them just run madness in this town... He wasn't with the madness. He was just in the back letting people out, just waiting to see where Stein was. I left this out intentionally because I wanted to explain it here. Slappy goes to the police station and he just, with some aliens, and he freezes the cops there. And then the next time someone runs in asking for help from the cops. Which is Aunt Lorraine. Yes, he dresses up like a cop. He's got the hat and, and the shades on. And he turns around in the fucking chair. Yep. So he, I, I can just picture it. The cops get frozen. Slappy's like, dang, I like that outfit. F- 
finds an outfit or makes a tiny one, he's magic. He probably could just make it instantly. Yeah, he had to have made it because where, <laughs> why the fuck would the cops have a fucking toddler-sized <laughs> slappy costume? Toddler uniform. Yeah. And then he just proceeds to sit in a chair, probably listening to the radar, just the, the, the dispatch, waiting on anyone to be like, uh, R.L. Stein is like, over here or something, or we got some kids over by this music party. Like, oh, that's where y'all at. Cool. And then someone runs in. And he's like, hello. And they're like, what the fuck? You're just a little, don't you say it. You're just a, don't you fucking say it. You're just a little dummy. And he's like, well, now you can't leave. <laughs> no, Slappy was awesome. Uh, the right combination of funny and scary. There were moments where he would talk and it was very scary. It was bothering but then there were moments where, like I said, he'd dress up like something different and just be silly. I like that villain. So, Katie, who was your least favorite character in this movie? Um, so, my least favorite character was Champ. Oh, you didn't like him? No, I mean, this is least. This isn't character I hated. Oh, this yeah. is least favorite character. And of all the characters that we saw, like, besides, like, the no-name incompetent police, like... There was not really anyone to choose from besides, like, the main four people in the book or in the story. So I chose Champ just because he was one of those kids who just is trying way too hard. Like, I understand being the nerdy kid. And I understand, you know, not having many friends or whatever. But, I don't know, they just pushed his, like, I'm the nerdy, I don't have any friends. They pushed it so hard that his character was unbearable like he was goofy funny i guess but it was like obnoxious yeah i went with and then in a lot of scary movies the police can't be viable in any way unless you just want to see more people die i want the police in this town they were ass but given they you know aliens just walk in and just hit them with a freeze ray i guess you could really couldn't do much well, they sucked at the beginning too. yeah they sucked at the beginning when they were called to rl stein's house yeah, you hear screaming or some neighbors like, they're screaming over there. I'm very worried about that girl. Oh, they just watch a scary movie real loud. Get out of here, kid. And then what was it? Uh, The cop, it, it's all in comedy, but he's like, do you want me to arrest this kid or like beat him up? He's like, no, don't do, don't do that. These cops are crap. But it's a small town, and I guess they're going off the fact that nothing bad happens here, so the cops are all out of practice, or they just are, I don't know, soft. <laughs> yeah so let's do seven word synopsis so i have two my first one is slabby was scary as hell in this like i said i'm not even the biggest fan of dummies he made me laugh because he was dressing up all funny but if i came into a room and he's like hello otis he he would have got hello and i'm already turning and leaving the room like what <laughs> he had to catch my ass in in fucking transit I'd be in a car and he's like, why are you running? And I'd probably flip the car because <laughs> I'd be so scared. And my second one is, so the town just accepted that attack with a question mark at the end. But like we were saying, maybe everything just reset and people forgot. Maybe. I don't know. But then Jack Black, when he was like, I'm your substitute teacher because your other teacher had that accident. So maybe they remember that something went down, but hell, I don't know. But I'd be like, man, bro, we just witnessed werewolves. 
and a vampire and a giant praying mantis. Can we talk about that? Is that a thing that we're going to discuss in this town? <laughs> Katie. Um, lovesick boy accidentally frees every Goosebumps monster. Yeah. R.L. Stein creates daughter using magic typewriter. <laughs> and then I had one that I was like trying to finish, but I couldn't get there. Oh, here we go. There's my last word. Okay. Sentient Slappy sends subordinates screwing suburban sprawl. Nice. Very nice. Emma wasn't here, so I had to do some alliteration. <laughs> so, this film came out October 16th, 2015. So, Katie, what do you think the budget for Goosebumps was? Um, I said $25 dues because Jack Black is not a cheap person. And there was a lot <laughs> Of digital effects and things, animation used in this movie. Also, Dylan Minnette, kind of also a big name at this point. So, going off of what you said, that's very reasonable numbers. Just double it. So, 50 million? God damn. Well, the budget was 58 to 84 dollar reduce. God damn. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it was a lot of. God damn. A lot of little stuff. The gnomes, that was all. It wasn't stop animation, it was all CG, but it was like. Their movement was really, like, choppy, which I thought was really cool looking for yeah. the gnomes and stuff. It looked good. Like, we're watching this, what, eight years later? Mm-hmm. And it didn't look it bad. It still looks good. Yeah, it didn't look bad. So I'm very happy with what they did. So it was probably a lot of money and work. Oh, for sure. To make it look like that. So what do you think the box office was? Uh, $170 reduce. Not bad. 158 Okay. So you're on just about the right track. Uh, this movie, it came out, the like, reviews and stuff. People were like, this is fucking great, you know? This movie was great. A fucking fantastic movie. I love this movie. And Same. a lot of people absolutely love this movie. Now, if you look at the second one, it gets a little... Mm, I didn't even see the that. sequel because I was upset that Jack Black wasn't the main character. Yeah, they didn't because run it back, so... It was disappointing. Like, that's who brought everybody in. You can, like, parents... The, yes, there is a nostalgia factor for sure of people enjoying Goosebumps stories. So, like, all the parents... All the people who are parents of school-age kids at the time that this movie came out and of the last ten years... Like, all of us grew up on Goosebumps, so we remember, like, a time... We remember and have a connection to these characters and these horror stories and all of that. But, now, okay, now you've pulled us in. We're in we love the movie. Great. Give us a second one, but it has to be in the same vein. It can't yeah. be about random fucking kids who have no <laughs> connection to R.L. Stein, which is the problem. Like, I understand... If Zach and Hannah didn't and Champ didn't come back. Okay, they've it's been a few years, they've graduated high school, they're in college, whatever. Cool story. Excellent. But it should still center around R.L. Stein. And Jack yeah. Black was only in that second movie for like two point five seconds. Yeah. So one thing I saw in everybody's thoughts on the movie, they they thought it was amazing. They said it, it went by really quick. It's a kid's movie, honestly. And they said that the plot, a little bit, well, the humor was a little scattershot. They just kind of threw everything at the wall and just see what, what works. But like I said, kids laugh at a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah, it wasn't thought of, it wasn't thought out as well as the first one. Yeah, sure. farts and burps and stuff and Ugh. throw up. 
Kids love that kind of stuff, you know? I hate that shit. Kids are better than that. You can tell yeah. because of how well this first movie did. Yeah. <laughs> so, minority kill count. That's a big old zero. Unless Nobody some... died in this movie. Yeah. People got fucked up. Yeah, people got hurt, but everyone lived. Like, there was no actual death besides the monsters. And they didn't really die. They just got sucked back into their books. So. Good. So, the number is still 320 in a Tito Turtle and a house in a plane full of vampires. So, do you have anything else to say about Goosebumps? I did a full tally. Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. And there are a total of 220 regular style Goosebumps books Okay. from the multiple different series. They're all Goosebumps adjacent, but they, he did do several other series, like the Slappies series, and then uh, like uh, there's a Goosebumps like a Horrorland. That's what it is. There's a Horrorland series. So I added all of those up, including the original 62 Goosebumps, and that came out to 220. And then there was an additional 21 books Shit. that had to do with other things there was like a mini book that came out there were two autobiographies that were written one about uh, rl stein and one about the the artist who's done all of the goosebumps oh, stories yeah, yeah, yeah. um that they created and it was similar to uh it was written in the same vein as a goosebumps book so similar count he did four graphic novels um of different like completely new stories there were seven books made about the movie and the different monsters and things that we see in the movies that weren't necessarily from Goose... Like, they, it had to do with the characters that were in the movie. So Dylan, Hannah, all of these different things. Or Dylan. Zach and Hannah and all of that. <laughs> and then there were seven just extra stories that didn't really have a place that fit in with anything else that he created. And then there's an additional, uh, he did also did five packs that you could buy of stories that were released. Like they were the regular Goosebumps stories, but they re-released them in these packs that you could get. That was like scream pack. And it was like monster house and, uh, night of the living dummy. And oh, like, okay. they like picked and choose like the ones that people had voted like, Oh, this is, these are the three scariest ones. So they made that the pack. These are the three best monsters. They made that up and they like did some of those, but they did five total different packs of that. And it was just a different, like a re-release essentially of all these books. So 220 total books plus another 21, like random stories that are goosebumps adjacent. Sweet. Like I said, made a ton of stories and still working on them to this day so yeah the uh, one came out on april 4th his uh newest one so that's not that long ago and another one is coming out in july on july 4th awesome that's really really cool so just like every time when we finish a month we have to go back real quick and then pick our favorite movies of the month so the month starts with Fear Street Part 1, 1994. So we deal with Slasher with a mall situation. Mm -hmm. And then we have Fear Street Part 2, 1978. We have a Slasher's at a campsite. And the kids trying to deal with that situation. 
And then part three, 1666. We go back to what, Puritan times? Mm -hmm. And deal with the beginnings of the curse. And then 1994, part two. And then Goosebumps. So Katie, which movie was your favorite out of the month? Um, I really liked 1978. It was probably the most complete horror movie from start to finish because we got to see like one defined killer and how he terrorized like this camp. Like yes, it related to the the outer story of the other two Fear Streets, but I think 1978 is the most capable of a standalone film. Like, you didn't have to see the first movie or the last movie to understand what was going on and kind of the just the chaos that reigned upon this camp. Um, with an honorable mention of 1666, because I love the way that it wrapped up everything. And in 1666, you really get all of the weaving. They, like, explain... They finish the story and they explain how the other two stories were woven in to the main story and how it all had to do with itself. And I really appreciate the chaos and the thought that it took to intertwine all of these stories into one definitive like thing. So I'm going to hop on that train with you because, absolutely, those were my two choices. The, seven, the 1978, because I love a good camp-based slasher. Some of my favorites. The music was fun. And the killer looked really cool. Looked like young Jason. And then, not necessarily the 1666 part, but the part 2 to 94. The last oh yeah 45 minutes, I would say, was great. It tied everything in. It's the way that you want to finish a story. Like, you come up with an idea. You want to do all the callbacks. Bring everybody back so people are like, Hey, that guy was in the first one. Okay, I remember that. I remember that. And then, you know, the bad guy gets their comeuppance and stuff like that. It was perfect. Everything worked out just right. So, yeah, all the Fear Streets were great. But Part 2 and the back end of Part 3 were absolutely amazing. Yeah, I was unexpected. The 1994 Part 2 was unexpected. When we were watching 1666, it kind of, like, finished the story of 1666. And... There was still, like, 45 minutes left in the film. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> where are we going to go? And then they finished it out with that 1994 part two. And that is really where we get all the weaving done. So, like, where they finish putting all the, connecting all the dots and completing the story and saving the day. So. Yeah. It's, it's, this is a really fun month. I really liked it. R.L. Stern is great. Yeah, I'm sad that this is kind of it, besides the made-for-TV movies. It made me crave... The Fear Street movies made me crave more Fear Street movies. Absolutely. I really hope that they're thinking about that. Those three movies were so well done. and Like, the acting was kind of blah. Like, the the teen actors, they were just okay. But the story as a whole was fantastic, and I would love to see more like r-rated goosebumps adjacent fear street horror land whatever stories fantastic yeah it was very fun very happy about it so with that that is the end of this episode so if you have any other cool fun facts about rl stein or anything like that 
You can tweet us at AllentownPod. We have an email it is AllentownPresents at gmail.com. We have Facebook at AllentownPresents. So that was episode 283 in the pocket in the books. Out of sight. So next month we are doing anthology films. You know how much I like those. And so we got some really good ideas. We're going to finish up a series that we have avoided. <laughs> and uh, we have some really cool ones out there. So the music list to right now, that is Flip and the Combined Effort. Flip and the CE, anywhere you can find them. Studio Fitas, thank you so much for the artwork. So um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't worry, Emma and Michael, they'll be back. They're dealing with baby stuff. I was going to say baby problems. It's not problems. No. Yeah, they, their family's a bit bigger now. So they are dealing with that dealing. It sounds so bad when I say dealing with it. They are enjoying their time <laughs> off with a brand new baby. Yes. So we will hear them soonish. And uh, we'll be back together full strength. So, like always, thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back next week with a anthology horror film okay bye guys bye fun fact so there are three say cheese and dies uh so there's say cheese and die then there's say cheese and die again and then in the horrorland series there is say cheese and die screaming that's a really good name for the third one yeah because it takes place at a theme park so Oh, hey, hold on, everybody. I'm going to pause this real quick, and I'm going to show Katie the theme song for Goosebumps and show her that she wasn't right. Isn't hold the on. theme song? Yeah. Okay. Oh, here we go. Here we go. What do you think it was? You said it was at the beginning of the episode, not in the theme song. That's not... Netflix cuts off theme songs oh, after well, the very first well, yeah. episode of any show. So I haven't watched the theme song to the Goosebumps show in 75 years. So thanks. <laughs> Sorry. I thought I was going to have to show this 80-year-old woman the theme song for Goosebumps. But yes, it's at the end of the theme song. Yeah, they don't show that when you just watch consecutive episodes on Netflix. It just immediately skips. And that's right. Little kid shows don't even give you the option to watch Fuck. things sometimes. <laughs> like, if up. you watch a certain amount of episodes in a row, little kid shows, just like, you don't want to watch this. Yeah, you just... You're like, well, you know, we know you don't want to watch this theme song. Skip. Yeah, you just want to see Bluey. Uh, it just auto-skips. Yeah, what are you doing here? You just want to see Bluey. No, they always play the Bluey theme. You have to actually skip the Bluey theme. That is a good theme song, That's though. Disney, though. Yeah. Okay. Bye, guys. Otis! And then I'm like, oh shit! And then I'm like, get out! <laughs> yeah, because you failed freeze. What is it, freeze dance? Yeah, freeze dance. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs>